0: This past week, Grace and I had an opportunity to travel to Utah and record two episodes for a podcast that is produced by two Baptist pastors who have a love and a heart for the Mormon people. I counted a blessing to now name Pastor Brandon and Pastor Dave as my friends. With their permission, we are reproducing the episodes we recorded there, here on our podcast as well. We hope you enjoy them. Written Grace is our story. It is the story of rescue from Mormon chains and redemption in Christ Jesus. Check the link in the show notes below.
1: Finding Freedom in Truth, Pursuing Truth in Scripture, This is the Mormon Hope Podcast with Brandon Vaughn and Dave Malinak. Welcome into the Mormon Hope Podcast. I'm Brandon Vaughn along with Dave Malinak. We're two Baptist pastors who live and pastor in the heart of Mormon country, Utah, and we like to use this podcast as a means by which to define and defend our Christian faith as well as to compare and contrast with the faith of our LDS neighbors. And uh, I kind of feel like a broken record because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's the it's the New Year's rust is yeah, what it is. And yes. so, you know, this is this is episode one of season two. Oh, well, we now. took a
2: layoff yeah, for a little Yeah, that's what while. it is.
1: I've yeah. got to so have Some rust, a little cobweb. I've got to have time to get on my A game. Yeah. But um, it's hard at your age to get on your A game. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we, I felt like we had such great jokes on the first intro, so like we—that's we because I was getting you, and so you had to erase it. That was well, we got we got six minutes in, and I realized that the uh, the system wasn't recognizing the microphone; it was just recording off the laptop, and it sounded like we were underwater, which I'm sure some of our listeners will probably actually appreciate. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they'd like to hold us under. But uh, for those of you that you know, didn't get to, they're not going to get to enjoy this because I had to erase it. That's right. But, uh, uh pastor Malinak, uh, made the statement that some of us are getting old and <laughs> I made sure to know that our listeners understood that only one of us was actually getting there and <laughs> one was already there, but, yeah. uh,
2: I, I don't know what <laughs> you're talking
1: about, but, uh, over the Christmas holidays, um, we had a couple from Idaho reach out to us and mm-hmm. actually had gotten hold of Pastor That didn't get hold of me, and uh, they wanted to actually share their story yeah. of coming out of Mormonism. And so we're going to start the new year off with a Mormon story episode, and because they did reach out to you and actually gave them a copy of their book mm-hmm. uh, that you got to read, I haven't gotten to read it yet, and so I'm just going to let you... Introduce them and go Very good. Very good. Uh,
2: Welcome, Lance and Grace. Thank you. Thank you. Um, They come from Idaho and Mm -hmm. came down here to uh, Utah, which I understand that Utah has a little bad rep up in Idaho uh, a little bit. I know Utah Mormons are um, just different for folks that are up
0: in Idaho. (laughs) I hear about this. uh, We've heard about it, too. But, you know, we're so south in Idaho.
2: Yeah. So we're really... That's right, you do We're have just a little ex- twang in your accent there. We're, well, I grew up here in Ogden. Southern Idaho. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Not quite like Alabama,
0: but. No, those people are weird. <laughs> yeah, I but, know. But. Uh, I don't really understand yeah. them. But, but, but Southern Idaho, where we live, is really just an extension of. Yeah, it's that's a territory true. of Utah. That's
2: really true. It is. That's true. The, part of the state of Deseret. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so we have Lance and Grace. Earl. I have another friend who has the last name Earl, and I oh. <laughs> want to say her name. But Lance and Grace Earl, with us. And uh, how about each of you tell us who you are and tell us your Mormon background?
3: Okay. Um, I actually joined the Mormon Church when I was nineteen, twenty, somewhere in there. Um, my kids tease me because they always say. But mom, why'd you leave the church? You believed in it. You were converted. And I, no, I don't feel I was ever truly converted. I joined the church. I was young. I was shy and didn't know how to tell people no, <laughs> basically. But I do feel God had his hand in all of it because that's how I met my husband. We have been married for 45 years. Mm. We have five children and 17 grandchildren. Wow. So excellent, yes. We just had most of them home for Christmas.
2: Oh, nice, yeah. Chaos, <laughs> oh my gosh, chaos!
3: Yeah, from we have
2: a sign in our house that says some call it chaos, we call it family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: it is family, well, we, but it was so weird when everybody left. All of a sudden, I'm going, Wow,
0: yeah, it's really quiet yeah, around yes. here. Well, we hung but, 23 stockings Christmas Eve. Oh, wow, you know, well, so that's fun. It was, a, it was a madhouse, it was a blast, though, uh, for me. I was born in the church, uh, right here in Ogden, and uh, grew up here. Went to uh, were High School for those uh-huh. of you that are local. Back when it was on 12th and Washington. Well, wow. and um, uh, so anyway, I, I came up through the church, and as an adult, uh, I served in every calling that it, that ever came to me. I served as uh, as Sunday school teacher, as gospel doctrine instructor. I served uh, as a nursery. Uh, <laughs> 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 Snotty kids everywhere. I, uh, But I also served in some high levels. I was the elders quorum president. I was a high priest. I was in the high priest group leadership. And I served as a veil ordinance worker in the temple for years. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I struggle with the most. Because... I had the Aaronic, or the Melchizedek priesthood after the, or, or the high. What, what do we call? It? I was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and it sounded cool. I didn't know what it mean, but I literally robbed God. I pushed him aside and through that veil. I admitted people into the room that represented heaven, when only God can do that. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those things killed me, but uh, through the church I met my wife, and and that has been awesome. She has been so good. Uh, it's interesting, though, from the day we got married until the day we got yep. saved, almost 40 years to the day in the wilderness. Wow. And uh, and so, you know, it's it's kind of tough sometimes to think we spent so much time. But 40 years is God's time of preparing. Mm-hmm. And I think he has prepared us now for this ministry to reach back to those people that we love so much. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Very good.
2: But uh, anyway, Lance and Grace Earl, and they have together written a book that includes their testimony of coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's called Grit and Grace. And uh, Lance is grit, and Grace is grace. (laughs) That's right. And uh, the subtitle is Rescue from Mormon Chains, Redemption in Christ Jesus. And something I enjoyed right in the preface, right off the bat, um, this book is about a big, big God Who honors every promise and rewards a wretch like me with infinite grace? Um, That was a blessing to read that and uh, to to think about the the matchless grace, the unsearchable riches of the grace of God.
0: Oh, Um, man! Yes, you've experienced this. We have. We have this is a hundred and eighty degree turn for us. hmm Mm-hmm. One of the things you mentioned in the
2: preface is that this is your third attempt at writing the book. That the first time you wrote it, you focused too much on the Mormons. Yeah. And the second time, you focused too much on yourself. Yeah. And then the third time, you felt like you struck that balance, and uh, were
0: able to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of His glorious gospel, and to yeah, set you yeah, free. Yeah. I, yeah. I did. And I, mean, I got to tell you. When you finish a manuscript and then you go, God's going to hate this, <laughs> throw it away. Yes. Oh, I hated doing that. But but we just kept going until it felt right. Yes. Well,
2: and, you know, there's always some value, kind of like uh, Thomas Edison inventing the light bulb. He found 999 ways that it you couldn't invent a light bulb. Uh, yeah. And um, always you're growing through that and through that process and writing. You know, one of the things about writing is that it makes a precise man. It, it makes you have to be precise yeah. in your thoughts, and that's always a challenge uh, for folks as well. For a scatterbrain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. Tough. So um, something that you said in the introduction um, that I thought was really good, um, you said, I came to know Jesus, and at first there was pain. That's that's a good point just to stop and think about for a minute, because there is, especially in evangelical Christianity, there's some of the uh, prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it kind of stuff that um, that treats it like if you receive Christ, then everything is going to be you'll live happy, happily ever after and have a fairy tale life. But, you know, the Lord Jesus doesn't promise that.
0: Anywhere, in mm-hmm. fact, he promises quite the opposite. He he us. does, he does, and and you have to trade certain things away, or I don't know if it's trade, but you have to set certain things aside. Yeah, that's right. And say, say, God, I I'm going to put this away so that I can yeah. have you. That's right. Yeah, and, that's right. That's right. So you said
2: the cost of knowing him seemed too high. Hence, I almost could not bear to pay. I tore away everything I loved and knew and thought I knew. Casting it all at the foot of the cross. This tearing produced pain I had not previously imagined. Loved family and lifelong friends turned to walk away forever. Because of this, my heart broke. These things cause deep cuts and lasting scars that are not fully healed. And, uh, you know, something that I, in conversation we were talking about earlier... Um, it's a mystery to me. I moved here to Utah 24 years ago, and ever since I moved here, our LDS neighbors have repeatedly tried to persuade us that they are Christians too. And so, a question that I ask them is: If you are Christians too, why is it that if someone leaves your church and joins another evangelical Christian church, they are ostracized and cut off? Um, and and you have nothing to do with them. Why is that? If we're another Christian
0: denomination. There's um, something that's that I found very interesting. Um, if you look in the Bible, there's always a group of people that are wanting to cast other people out of the synagogues. Mm. And if you look, it's, it's always those who are resistant to Jesus Christ, who really are not Christians, casting those who love Jesus out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in our lives, they have a legal letter. We've we've never gone onto to a church property and caused a problem or never threatened to. But we are banned from going on all church properties. And so we have been, you know, like at, at a temple wedding, we came to my brother's right here in Ogden. And there was my family that got to go in and there was my family that got to sit out on the porch. But we have to stand on the street. Mm. And and uh now why what what is their explanation for this lifelong ban there is no explanation they've given none i've not been accused of a sin uh they just do it bec- for the same reasons i suppose that they did it in biblical times mm-hmm. and so you know it's it's hard because you go to a wedding and you have to stand on the curb with the gift in your hand until someone tells the bride and groom, hey, they're here. And they'll come out and give us a hug and, and we'll leave. But it's also really cool to be bad enough to be cast out of the synagogues. <laughs> so, no, no, it really is. Um, at, at my brother's, At my brother's wedding, we got to meet a man in a wheelchair. Mm. It was a cold day. We got to meet a man in a wheelchair and grab the blanket out of the back of our car and wrap it around his shoulders mm-hmm. and talk to him for a minute about God. Mm-hmm. And just a few months ago at a, uh, at a friend's funeral, it's bitter cold again. It's always cold when they do these things. <laughs> I, I'm standing out there just freezing my shigegi off. And a and guy comes and says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, and I got to share the gospel with him. And he told me that I can come back to his home. Mm. and talk to him and his wife. So uh, praise God, I'm bad enough to be cast out because yeah. that's where things happen. Yeah. And so it's it's okay. I don't mind. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, It yeah. just doesn't matter. I think well, it's fear. Yeah.
3: It really is, comes down to fear, I yeah. believe.
2: Well, and partly, and, and this is where I say, um, when, when the LDS call themselves Christians... That there's um, a measure of deceit in that, when they in fact don't consider themselves to be a part of broader Christianity, they have declared. In fact, the whole foundation of their church is that the rest of Christianity is apostate, and that they are the only true church. So, what well, they abomination ought to say, was the word that's used, right. Yeah. So they ought to say. That we are, in fact, the only Christians and that you are not and nobody else is. That is the the truth, the reality of what they believe in yeah. practice.
0: Well, well, yeah, they're the only true church. Right. All other churches are the church of the devil. Right. And, you know, that's one thing that's amazing. I, I don't live here, of course, but where we go to church, there are a number of Christian churches. And, and And if all of a sudden we go, you know what? We're more comfortable over here. And we move to another church. Everybody goes, praise God. They're still going to church. They're still believing. That's enough. Mm -hmm. But that's not that way here with the LDS people. That's that's too bad. So
2: you compare your conversion to the story of the man born blind who came to Christ. In fact, this is something that you said in the introduction. Again, I'm reading for you. I was born blind and remained sightless for the first 60 years of my life. I was blind, born that way. There are two kinds of blindness, physical and spiritual. The man in our story suffered from the first type and possibly the second. My blindness was spiritual. Having never experienced a light, I had no comprehension of the darkness that enveloped me. In that darkness, I walked the wide path leading to certain destruction. Having never seen illumination, I denied my blindness and insisted before the world that my vision was clear." (laughs) I thought it was interesting just in what you were saying a minute ago because of course that man born blind was cast out of the synagogue and the reason he was cast out of the synagogue was because the, the Pharisees and religious authorities refused to acknowledge that Jesus had healed the man and then wanted the man to deny that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, and he refused to do so. He said, this I know, whoever he is, this is what I know. I was blind, but now I see. You know, it's
0: interesting you say that, because I was talking about the other blind men. Oh, okay. Bartimaeus. Okay, blind Bartimaeus. He he was at, uh, I've gone blank, the city. Uh, Anyway, he was outside the city gates, but the thing that was amazing to me was Bartimaeus. The only thing he had in the world was a cloak. Mm. And when Jesus said, "Come," he got up and he threw away all his worldly goods. Uh-huh. And rushed to Jesus. And well, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I hung I wrapped my cloak of Mormonism around me and I held on so tight mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. I was afraid to trust oh, yeah. Jesus.
2: And and that's the case and we see that with folks that are coming to faith in Christ is that there does become a wrestling match and in fact Um, I I know a young person right now that we're working with and have been for a while, and I can see what's happening. There's this desire to hold on and and, and this wish that the two could be compatible, and an attempt to try to make biblical Christianity fit with the LDS faith, Um, and—but— Of course, we know that it's not. It's not the same thing.
0: Not at all.
3: Yeah. It doesn't work.
2: So there were several things that you mentioned that were part of opening your eyes to the truth. One of the things that stood out to me in your book um, was uh, your grandmother and some things that your grandmother said to you. Would you
0: tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, my grandma. Oh, my gosh. If it was left up to me, I'd let her in heaven just for a fried chicken. It's that good. And that's that's heavenly fried chicken. And she was such a wonderful grandma. Uh, But I went to see her just a day or two before she had died. And she knew she was dying. And she was always very happy and very loving and very, but this day she was just so agitated. She was so upset. She was just a mess. And I finally said, Grandma, what? Is it? And she said, I can't go to Jesus. And I said, why? And she said, I don't know if I've done enough. Mm. And this woman, she was a devout Mormon. She was the daughter of a stake president. She was the granddaughter of a polygamist. Mm. She did her genealogy. She was a temple worker. And she was afraid to go to Jesus because she hadn't done enough. And and the thing that breaks my heart, well, two things about this. One, it breaks my heart because I was a Mormon and it shocked me because I had nothing to give her. Mm -hmm. I had no, I had no assurance that I had done enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it was a very empty conversation and I left her in this dark place, Mm -hmm. but I praise God because he said the law is a schoolmaster. The law helps us to see our need for a savior because we are wretches who could never do enough. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. And so I, I like to hope, and of course I don't know, and we can't know, but I like to hope that maybe in those last few days, she had a reckoning with God and Mm. she just surrendered to him and said, God, I'm a mess. I didn't do enough. And I know it Mm -hmm. now, God, what do you want of me? I don't know. She owes me a cherry pie. (laughs) So if I get a cherry pie in heaven, we'll know that she did all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes.
2: Unfortunately, and you mentioned this, in fact, in the book, you said the word of God is undeniable and the news is not all good. In reality, grandma did not do enough, nor have we. Right. That's that's right. a hard thing to say. Yeah. But it's the truth. It is. None of us can. When all of our righteousnesses count as filthy rags in the sight of God, when the good things that we do are it, even the plowing of the wicked is sin. Yeah. Then there's nothing we can look to rest on in our own lives.
0: That's the hardest part. For me I was I was a good mormon. Mhm. I was 100% mormon 99% of the time. And that's not enough. No. And that was what just killed me is there was no assurance. Yeah. And and I have that assurance now that is so incredible. Yeah. So that, would you describe how you came to that assurance? My wife sitting over here being very quiet, uh we 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 came to Jesus together, which was such a blessing that it didn't we didn't have to do this individually. But for me, I was reading Matthew. Well, first of all, let me back up. I why don't you tell this part where you killed me? when i said
3: (laughs) okay i think i know what he's talking about um i had watched him struggle for about two years um with everything that was going on as mormons and knowing what was in our ward the things that they were saying to him and it it was just really hard two years i call them the black years (laughs) because to me they were but um I, during my work time, I was already listening to Christian music, and I loved some of the songs, and I, like Chris Tomlin's uh, Amazing Grace, I thought, that is such an awesome song. I'd go home, and knowing how dark, what de- dark despair that he was in, I thought, well, maybe this will help pick him up, and so I'd play these uh, Christian songs, these worship songs for him, and he, it was... <laughs> like throwing my music against the wall. It would just bounce off and fall to the floor. And I I was getting desperate in that because I, I was frustrated because my heart, I think, already knew Mormonism wasn't true. Mm-hmm. I'd had a lot of struggles and uh, for several years about Mormonism. I hadn't talked to him about him, but I just felt like something had to give and then one day about december well his birthday is the 11th of december so it was like the 12th or 13th he came to me in the kitchen he says you know i don't think i can be mormon anymore mm. <laughs> <laughs> and i just it just struck me because the whole time through these two years of darkness he kept saying It doesn't matter what happens. I know the church is true. It doesn't matter what happens. I know the church is true. And so I thought, hmm, okay. And I I turned to him and I just quietly said, okay, let me think about this for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And that's where I left him.
0: Mm -hmm. That's the part that nearly killed me. Uh.
3: I just left him dangling because I went into the bedroom and I'm going, yes, Yes! yes, because I just... I thought, finally, something's going to give. Mm. But knowing what he had been through through those two years, I also was afraid that maybe somebody had called him up and harassed him or whatever it was. And I thought, you know, he needs a couple mm. days at least mm-hmm. so that he can say, oh, you know, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to give him time. So after a couple, three days, he was still firm that, that was it. And so I finally went to him and said, you know what? I'm with you 100%. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. So anyway, you know, and you, the, the last of the story. Did you know that she was no, already No, she was sneaking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you said that to her, were you afraid that she would respond badly? I had, I had been thinking about saying that to her for almost a year. And I was scared to death to do it because I had this wonderful, strong Mormon wife. Mm-hmm. Who <laughs> who wasn't but but anyway you you asked how did we come to know when we finally when she finally said okay I'm I'm in let's do this we immediately ordered two red letter Bibles mm-hmm. and we were like kids at Christmas when that UPS truck showed up mm-hmm. it was so cool yeah. and and we knelt down at our kitchen table and we just threw everything at the foot of the cross our, our homes our jobs our our property our Kids. Family, even our children. God, if if, if that's the cost to know you, we have got to know. We owe nothing back. And we sat up at the table and we started reading. And she said for her it came over time. Mm-hmm. But for me, it came that instant, Matthew 1. Mm-hmm. And there's a pastor here in Ogden, Ron Tabor. I don't know if you know him, but he asked me that question once. I told him it was Matthew 1, and he almost called me a liar. He said, that's a genealogy. Nobody can become... <laughs> But, but the thing is, I, I think what it was, was that we'd surrendered everything and then we opened his word. It didn't matter what we read. Mm. We opened his word and he poured out life and light yeah. into us. Yeah. And it was just yeah, that that quick and easy for that's me. That's the power of the word of God, yeah. for sure. Oh, man. For yeah. sure. So one of the things that you talk about
2: in the book that was uh, several things you mentioned that really shook you. And one was at a stake meeting state president with his with your stake and one I don't know if it's the stake president or one of the speakers it was his that, first counselor first counselors that was railing against blue shirts and railing against uh the um facial hair and things like that and then he said something
0: that just the two of you were shocked by it uh yeah and no one else was well, first of all, I was wearing a pale blue dress shirt. Uh, tie. a Tie, yeah, slacks, the whole nine yards. Uh, but I had a goat, and my hair was cropped short. So, yeah, this counselor got up, and he, he railed on blue shirts, or on, on any any shirt that wasn't white. He, he railed on long hair on men, and I went... Dodge that boy, you know, but then he went to hair on my chin and it's crazy. You know, God put hair on a man's chin, but it took the Mormons to make it a sin. Uh, But, but the thing that, that made us crazy is, is I'm sitting there and first I'm uncomfortable and I'm getting more and more angry. And then he, this first counselor in the stake presence, he said, now you may say that Jesus had long hair and a beard, but I tell you now. That Jesus never knew and he turned and pointed at the state president and he said, Jesus never knew President Lovell. Mm. And she said, That's heresy. Oh, blasphemy, so whatever it what was you call blasphemy.
3: it. I, and and that, we were That did it for that me. That was yeah.
0: Jesus would have been a better Jesus if he'd <laughs> only had the good fortune uh, of knowing of <laughs> this man. Some Obscure steak president. Yes. Unbelievable. Oh, Made yeah. me crazy. We went out on parking lot and a woman came up and she said, it wasn't that wonderful. <laughs> now, I don't believe in hitting women. But man, if I was ever tempted, I just wanted to oh, lay her out. <laughs> Boom. I was so upset. Mm-hmm. So- I,
3: I, was, I was actually very angry
0: mm-hmm. that he
3: had the nerve to even say that.
0: She said that's when she stopped believing completely. Mm. That was it for her. Mm-hmm. Took me a little while later. I born and raised in the church. It took me a while yeah. to shed it.
2: But. Well, you know, one of the things that we hear fairly regularly when LDS visit our church is that we talk about Jesus a lot. Oh yeah. yes. They're not used to that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they all know the you know the the automatic trained answer. That, well, we have Jesus Christ in our name. Of course, we worship Jesus Christ. Uh, But we find that uh, many of our LDS neighbors know very little. And it seems like there's a disregard and a diminishing of Jesus Christ. And when you say things like that, I'm, I'm on the one hand shocked that they would say something like that. And on the other hand, I'm not surprised. No. Honestly. No, because Jesus, there is a sense of superiority
0: that the church has grown past what Jesus was at one time. Well, and you got to remember that if if this eternal progression thing happens, yes, and Joseph Smith is faster at it than Jesus, Joseph exactly. may be above Jesus now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, and that's kind of freaky. Yeah. yeah, but it makes it makes sense in a Mormon mind. Yeah, it yeah, does for sure, for sure. Another thing that was. Um,
2: I think it seemed like it raised a lot of questions for you had to do with um your calling to be a Sunday school teacher <laughs>
0: and how that played out. Oh yeah, that was. So would you talk about that for a little bit? Sure, sure. I um I'd been called to teach the 16-year-old boys and girls during Sunday school, which which was really exciting because you know, you're you're told that you have to accept calling, so when they call you in it's you know, uh nursery again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they called me to teach this and I thought, great. And so I, I, I accepted it and, and I went into the first Sunday and, and taught it. And the Sunday school president audited the class and he said, this is awesome. And I thought, yes, it's going to work out great. And then I went the very next Sunday and I was called back into the, um, this was a counselor in the bishopric. I was called back into his office and he said, So we're gonna release you. And I said, What? And he, he said, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna release you because one of the parents of of the kids in your class doesn't know if you're gonna be the right teacher for his daughter. And I thought, Wow. So it, it was really funny because I would assume
2: it was an influential member.
0: Oh yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> longtime community member. Yes, yeah. I know how these things oh, yes. play yeah, out. Yeah, so it was it was really funny. I so I said, so when you called me, did you pray to God and did He inspire you and let you know that I was the man who was supposed to be called to this position? Because all things are through inspiration. God says, oh, yeah. I want this guy or I want this guy, and they said, yeah, and he said, yes, of course. God God told us to call you, and I said, so now it's it's a week later, and you're releasing me. Did you? pray to God. And did he inspire you to release me? And he said, well, yes, of course. And I just, so I said, well, which one got it wrong? Your Monday God or your Sunday (laughs) God? And, and this is one thing that is, is nuts. God can change his mind in an instant Mm -hmm. and the people just go,
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tell me
2: that the modern day LDS church is not Prime
0: to embrace homosexuality. Oh, they are. Do you, Do you know that they've ch- actually changed the endowment session and to, prep, to prepare? For I, that? I saw you. You
2: cataloged, in fact, in your book. Oh, the okay. changes to the the endowment and the wording of yeah. it. Yeah, The, the wording staggering.
0: used. Yeah, the wording used to talk about the your husband or wife to your legally or lawfully wed, and now the wording has been changed to the person to whom you're legally or lawfully wed. Which means it can be anyone of any sex. It's totally when, set up. When we yeah. first
3: came out of the church and stuff, and something had happened, because he keeps up on all the changes, and he, we were talking about, it and I told him, I said, "You wait." They yeah. will be doing.
2: Oh. I've been saying that for 15 chamber. years. Yeah. I've been saying, in fact, 15 years ago, I said in 15 years, they're going to do it. And we're coming up on. Well, we're right. past that now. And uh, right. it's it's coming. We can be certain. Absolutely.
3: Oh, well, yeah. because their changes are social. Right. Changes. They're Always. God yeah. Isn't changes. it amazing
1: that God changes with the winds of culture? Yeah. Isn't that really convenient? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, there's a lot of evangelicalism that also is going down that path. Oh, Unfortunately, yes. yes. Yeah.
3: But see, there is one thing that really... I, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Clinched it for me, mm. is every time the church made a change, they always talk about it in their sacrament meetings. They have to read the letter, make it official, and everything from Salt Lake... And every time they did, I kept hearing the words in my mind: "God is the same yesterday, today, and forever." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we came out of the Mormon Church and started looking for a church, I went, "Oh, it's in the Bible!" It was yeah. God telling <laughs> we me. We went this to a church
0: that had that on the wall, and she goes,
3: "That's in the Bible."
0: Yeah. <laughs> we had—I mean—that's how blind they are. But uh, that's to what what's bothered me
3: the about Bible. the church: all these changes all the time. Yeah. It's like after a while, it's like, "Whoa, stop!"
2: My impression is that this is a point that many struggle with. That also that same phrase is found several times in the Book of Mormon as well. And so how do you how do you square that circle where you've got, you know, this claim of an unchangeable God and then a doctrine of a changing, progressing God as God. As God is, we uh, as we are, God once was. As God is, we shall become.
0: There's that whole idea. But see, they've reversed that now. (laughs) I mean, they just they just did. You don't get your own world anymore. You don't get to be a guy to get to be like God. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Where, where are you going to go with this? Yeah, bait and switch. But, yeah, but, but how they square it is is they tell you that we're not made to understand everything now, but we will understand it in the next life. And so you just put it on your shelf. Yeah. And some people have got a lot of bracing on their shelf because yeah, mine what, came down. That was something
2: I was going to bring up. Um, you talked about the, the LDS church as a shelf where troubling truths get piled. Let me just... Um, read what you said there um, because I thought it was remarkable.
1: Thank you for listening to the Mormon Hope Podcast. That's all the time we have for this episode, but be sure to listen to next week's episode as we get into part two of our conversation with Lance and Grace Earl. If you would like to know more about their ministry or how to get a copy of their book, Grits and Grace, Rescue from Mormon Chains and Redemption in Christ Jesus, be sure and visit their website, askyourbishop.com. That's askyourbishop.com. Until next week, we love you and God bless.